0: LDB, baba, 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 LDB, baba, baba, LDB, 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 LDB. All right. Good evening, LDB. I am your host, the very, very sad Chris Schutzer. Uh, And I'm joined, as always, uh, or at least usually, uh, by our co-commissioner, Matt Starr. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, You know, slightly better than you, but not great.
0: (laughs) I think, yeah, uh, well put. Uh, We also have Michael, not Matt Becker. Uh, (laughs) Michael, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great.
0: Thanks very much. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see Uh, you. And last but not least, I'm very thrilled to introduce the true owner of the DIPAs. Uh, some of you may not know that Vijay was the original owner of this team. We have Vijay Ganesh today. Vijay, how are you? I'm
3: doing well, thanks, I'm honored to be
2: here.
0: Yeah, well,
2: honored. No one yeah. else has said they were honored, it's <laughs> wonderful. we it means we're, we're gaining some traction. Yeah, you build
3: them. You build momentum. I feel like when you when you listen to it, it's sort of a, it's like that scene in old school where like there's those guys that like want to be part of the frat. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, yes. that sort of It had that feeling. Yeah. Does that make you blue? <laughs> no, I'm thinking of more the, the who's that character um, who's also in Veep. I think I think of that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah for, hang, I forgot his name.
0: I know who you're talking about, though. I don't know his name either. Yeah. Um, Veej, we are thrilled that you're here uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, But I I thought it would actually be kind of fun. Well, actually, let me take it back a step. The reason that this was totally the week to bring you on is because we made three moves. And I think we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Um, But I also think like, uh, not everybody in the league knows that you were the original owner of the team. Um, How many, how many years was there before I joined you? Like seven, eight?
3: I lose track of time. I mean, I was there at the, the beginning, I guess. Um, and then I think I handed it off to you basically when I knew, um, like I just couldn't sustain it. So that, that had not to be when I started like residency. So that was, I think that was, yeah. I think it was seven years, or six or seven years.
0: Okay. But originally the I, team was the meds. I'm not, I'm going to mispronounce this because I don't know whether you were <laughs> going for like a fake French or a full French, but like médecin sans. Rubbers, like I mean, what Sonsters, were
3: you? Sonsters, well, that's a, that's a, I don't know it's how these jokes evolve. It was, um, it was Jeff Harcourt who, and I don't know the full context. Maybe Sean or, or Sean would know but it was a, uh, uh, Jeff would uh, like make a joke about like, like um, songs rubbers, meaning like, <laughs> uh, like without condoms, in like weird context, not, not necessarily related to sex. And then it was, um, <laughs> then it just, uh, and then the medicine Sans frontiers thing. Uh, just sort of merged into that, into this, the team name. That's how it started.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I never really fully understood that. Like, uh, but now I'm, I, I guess don't, I'm I
3: mean, it's one of those things like explaining it actually now makes it feel
1: like lamer, <laughs> 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 or maybe it always, I
0: don't know, <laughs> or, or
1: maybe, <laughs> you, maybe to your it credit, was. To yeah. your credit <laughs> I thought it was hilarious at the time. I don't remember uh, exactly what the inside joke was from Jeff, but I remember right. it was hilarious. And, and I thought the, the team name was amazing.
3: Can I pause I, to, to be honest, that- I, did, I did it purely to entertain Jeff, actually. I, I actually, like, I, this isn't making me some sort of more highbrow. I didn't think, I think to be fair that I thought it was funny at the time, but I thought Jeff would like it. And that to me made it worth it.
2: Can I just note that we are filming a podcast for fantasy baseball and nothing gets lamer than this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? I cannot believe, no, no. uh no seriously i think that was it's it's interesting to know that the history so wait can you take us back because i think you had a reputation for two things before i came on board one was you were one of the teams that traded away literally everything of future value to try to win right away
3: true definitely true well i mean that gives me too much credit it was actually that i can't i couldn't i mean there's many things that impressed me about the league and we can get into that but um the like' the, the, it's sort of inverted it's actually not that i traded away assets to win immediately it was just that i didn't have a way to value future assets like i mean for me and i guess still to this day like my whole approach to the league is um, sort of maximize draft um, value um based on like you know the dynamics of players taken off the board but then when you throw in this wrinkle which i think is actually necessary to win the league sustainably is, of like your future assets, like what's the value of an X round pick? Like my brain hurts just thinking that kind of stuff. So I just don't. I like I never really factored it, and as a result, like would sort of like kind of trade to win sooner. It would that was really it. I mean, I was it, I was never thinking short term. I I liked the week and wanted it to be in the long, but uh, to me, I still like that's what impresses me kind of most about like how you guys do this relative to my approach, which like is is limited. I think. But I think, yeah, the, the other thing you're getting at is I, like, kind of gunned it for certain categories, too. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I, like, had a slightly different approach, and I think Ian mentioned it on the prior podcast, and he's right. Like, I kind of went for covariate categories, like things where, like, one category actually gives you bleed over benefit in the other, but that the categories themselves were undervalued, at least in LVD. Uh, I still think that's a way forward in the league, um, you know, but, but I think all those, like, holes have been, Like filled because the league is just smarter. So those opportunities, I think, which were more available earlier, I think you have to be kind of extra like sophisticated now I think to pick up on something like that.
0: I think not only that but probably also the the switch from 14 to 16 teams had a lot to do with teams ability to play strategies like that. Um, Just because now it's that much thinner on the wire. We went from To be clear, we went from 12 to 14 to 16, too. We started out at 12. Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting, though, Vij, to, to think about, like, the value of picks because I feel like in this league, and, and Becker and Starr, I'm very curious to hear your take on this before we give VJ a little more time to talk about the history of our squad. But, like, how did we come up with roughly a third-rounder's worth $7 million? And roughly a second rounder is worth twelve, and roughly a first rounder is worth twenty. Because, like, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm willing to throw those numbers out because those are the numbers that it's around when we see the 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 picks traded for cash um, when it rarely does happen. Like that, those are the numbers I've seen. Am I crazy? So I can answer that. Uh,
2: I just ask Star, how much is a first rounder worth? How much is a third rounder worth? So I mean, this is my, I think it's my fourth year in the league, and so there is certainly a learning curve and it takes a while to learn the value of these things, especially when you come from say a redraft league where these variables are not in play and you just have to ask and then you kind of see what picks are traded for. Um, So I don't, I don't think it's set in stone, but yeah, I, uh, I asked Matt.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, a couple of years ago, tried to come up with like kind of a rough equation to value, put a do, like a present dollar value on picks, um, which I think kind of was, what was funny about it is that the, the, you know, it was like this, like kind of crazy cobbling together of like, you know, assigning arbitrary values to like what, what, what a player's value is five years down the line. And like, how much is that worth in today's money? And like using the fan graphs, Uh, prospect um, likely outcome uh, percentages essentially and and what was funny is that the end result was like basically exactly what we were valuing picks in players and prospects in cash was kind of exactly what the equation ultimately spit out (laughs) in the end which was that like a good like a you know a, a decent prospect who's like kind of close to the majors is worth something like 20 to 30 million and like a You know lesser guy who's further away is probably closer to like 10 million and so that's kind of like what the you know the picks have kind of gone
0: for in terms of cash so you're saying we're smart we've actually gotten it right i think that's interesting uh because i i definitely feel like there are moments where i feel like sure seven million that sounds fine you know like i just don't know where we're coming up with the numbers and actually this was the shortest negotiation i ever had I, i i said to Brophy, i was like i need some cash do you want my third in a couple of years? He was like, What's your price? I said seven. He was like, done. And I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Um, no haggling. It was just, it was like, boom, that was it. Um, so
3: anyway. He did he
0: did ask me in there somewhere. He's like, seven, seven sound good. I was like, great. Let's do it. <laughs> so so I guess we should all just run it by you. Yeah, uh, this is the the invisible hand of Matt Star. <laughs> um, all right. So Veej, just real quick. With the Med Saint Robert, uh, or however you want to call it, um, who were the who were the big players that you had at the beginning? Like I know you had Yasmani Grandal, I know you had uh, Syndergaard, because those were the big prospects when you brought me on. But who else did you have that you think of as like the original squad?
3: The original squad. Gosh, I have to go back, but I and other folks know the history actually probably better than I do. But I I I had a pretty good team, I think, in the early years. I mean. And part of it, again, was that I think this like sort of draft asymmetry where I was like, wow, like I saw, I saw players, I mean, I think the strategy I had then actually still holds today, which is like, it helps to have very elite pitching and then have a couple of categories that you can definitely win every week. Um, And and so for me, at least that back then it was uh, stolen bases, runs, um, like not the sexier stats. And then it was uh, like relief pitching related stats. Um, and then like, like a a couple of elite pitchers. And so at the time, I think I had Jake Peavy, who was at like a very, I think he won the Cy Cy Young that year. I think, did I also have the AL Cy Young pitcher winner that year too? I think I had two like Cy Young out like capable players that year. And I forgot who it was, maybe Santana, I'm not sure. Um, and then I had, um, like Jimmy Rollins. I remember him being very fun at the time. Um, and, uh. I think I had Trevor Hoffman as my, clo- like, elite closer. That was the original squad. And the re- only reason that those names ring a bell is because I was pretty fired up for, the like, back then to be, like, doing surprisingly that well at a, at at that. Um, and so that was my team hey. almost 15 years ago.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you and I played in the championship the very first year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, I, I think, think that I clinched, was year one. I clinched
3: the federal and probably wrote some sort of snarky... At the time the league, we had like, uh, um, we would write like fake news or like press releases. <laughs> and um, I, 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 I remember that being really fun. And uh, yeah, and then I lost a star. I don't remember the outcome, but um, yeah, a close loss. Uh, I remember it.
0: The fake press releases were still happening when I joined the league. And I remember you gave me like a little talking to. Uh, because I, it was my first year and I was like, all right, I gotta like, I gotta like get on board with these guys. And we had a terrible first week that, uh, that, that, that you and I shared the squad. I remember like our big guy in the draft was, we got Roy Halliday, and it was like when he was way past his prime and, um, Halladay got hurt in like the second inning and all our pitchers like got hurt. And like after six starts, we had like nine innings and I wrote a snarky email about like how all the pitchers were in, were at the veterans County, uh, the veterans stadium jail. Because there actually is a jail cell, and uh, and the league was like, good email, but you're totally fucking wrong. Like you can't, like you, you can't, like ask for empathy on making innings when your when your pitchers get hurt. And then you you called me up and you were like, yeah, that don't don't do that. <laughs> uh, so I do remember that pretty pretty, pretty vividly. But I, I would like it actually if those fake uh, AP stories would come back. I enjoyed them.
3: I do too. Actually, I I think that's a feature we could easily reintroduce. But I think part of it is like the media. Like like baseball news reporting has changed. Like no one reads those articles anymore. Like there Come was always on. Like a good <laughs> <Come on. laughs> No, but I mean like the daily beat reporter story, that like that that like sort of um that uh sort of template doesn't exist. So it's like hard to make it we kind of did it as parody. Um, but like that it,
2: I don't see that really as a main main format anymore. Can I give you an example of that? And I, I, 10 years ago, oh, go ahead, actually, probably 11 years ago. So I was a beat reporter for the Riverside Press Enterprise, and I was competitors with the LA Times and the OC Register. And the sports editors of the OC Register told the beat writer at the time, Bill Plunkett, we don't want game stories. We want you to write the captions for internet slideshows. Because a, a game story from the Angels Padres game on a Tuesday night gets like a quarter of the internet hits that a slideshow does. And that, I mean, that, that says it right there. It was was infuriating to him. It was insulting for someone who spent his career doing this and it's just no, no value. So, I mean, that's my, that's my news media lament, Uh, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it could come back if instead instead of it just being like a just-the-fact story about baseball, that it
3: was just a daily absurdist story about these, these teams. Like, I actually think that'd be more entertaining, like completely kind of unrelated to the game. And Lindsey Adler kind of sometimes throws in stuff like that, mm-hmm. like,
2: and, but mostly on her Twitter feed, um, not on the story, not on the athletic stories. No, the game has uh, changed. We need, we need LDB Twitter is what we need. Yeah. No one has time for these AP-driven AP stories. We need LDB, LDB Twitter.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was. So what I was going to say, uh, I, I looked. I just wanted to check the LDB site. So once upon a time, you used to be able to just post these on. Uh, it was like a feature that a CVS Fantasy had. You could just like post this, and it would go on the front page of the league website. And that's no longer the case. There's no longer. I, I wanted to see if there was still even an ability to do that. And that doesn't exist anymore. You could like post a picture and, post, you know do all that and that, that doesn't exist anymore it was like so i mean that, that i i guess people wanted to do with regularity
0: enough that they made it a, a thing that you could do on the site I, I will say it was very intimidating joining the league in this way as well right not only did everybody know their baseball shit but on top of that the amount of humor that was coming from people i mean we have some really funny people in this league when Dubner sets his mind to it, he can be hilarious, yeah. right? Yep. I was about like, to say,
2: I was gonna ask you the
0: top five. And yeah. It's, it's oh, like and Peterson, Dubner, Dubner,
2: Dubner, Dubner, and Dubner.
0: Well, no, I, Peterson, Peterson brings it. And I That's like and and, and and I, you know, Paul's introduction to the league, like he was kind of radio silent for the first couple months, and then he came out with the Spider-Man's like uh like uh fantasy rating. And I mean, like everybody's got this ability. So I, I kind of think we got to bring it back. It's it's really funny when it happens.
3: It's All funny to right. say that, Chris. I actually you think get just
0: the last last point on
3: that. Um, the sorry, Star is that there like what appeals to me the to the league the most. I mean, the I mean, Chris, this is it's nice of you to say it, but this is your team. I think no one would doubt it. It's just and I, I feel good that I've handed it off in a way that it's that that you've that you've um that I I can feel like a responsible owner that handed it off properly to someone with a deep interest. But what to me is like why I sort of stick around it is not is, is that I think the league has this shared sensibility. Like these are people, I think a third of the league I've not really even met in real life. <laughs> and yet these are people I think I would be immediately friends with just based on like, that's just an on email. Like these are virtual kind of, you know uh, like it's only based virtually really on that sense of it. So um, I don't know how that happens but I think it's uh, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling.
0: All right, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't give us five more minutes just on a couple things that I know to be true about your baseball history, VJ. Before we move on, um, wait, wait, the- Chris, Chris, can I can with yeah. something real quick, I don't
1: know, if, I don't know if people know this,
0: but I think it's important to say
1: Peterson came up in terms of being funny. Did, I don't know if folks know that, like Peterson actually was briefly a stand-up comedian and uh, was did a bunch of open mic nights around DC and. Did a great job and was asked, I I forget who it was now, was asked to go uh, open for like a legit comedian in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, I believe it was. And his comedy did not translate outside of Washington, (laughs) D.C. He totally, if I remember correctly. No shame in that. In front of the in front of the fredericksburg crowd and that was like the end of his comedy career which is very sad because he was oh. really good and
2: i i could see i could see jeff being really good
0: well now that i, I know it. this the next t- jeff i know you're listening the next time you come you better be prepared with the next set.
2: auction you're gonna have <laughs> like a thursday night comedy roast
0: three, three minutes <laughs> on the cast of just of just your, your next set we'll be ready for you um it's gonna be fantastic all right um so beach there's two more things that i think the league knows but i, I want to just delve in a smidgen um i know that you're uh, a huge yankees fan we actually have a lot of them in this league i think true or false did you and i go to jeter's last game together or was it mariano rivera's last game it was at it was Fenway.
3: it was a Fenway. it was rivera's last game
0: okay i um, i remember that with going with you so why don't you give me I have two Yankee questions for you, since there's so many Yankee fans and it, it gets a little <clears throat> silly, but why don't you give me your top three most underrated Yankees of your lifetime?
3: Underrated? Because
0: um, we all know that you could have gone with Rivera and Jeter. I, I know who you love, but I want to know who who didn't get enough love?
3: Who didn't get, uh, well, that's tough. I mean, actually, um, uh, I mean, I think the like a, a common easy pick here is Bernie Williams. I think he like within the team, both personality and style of play and just like sort of critical moments in the team um, is I think the top underrated player from at least my era. But um, and, and, and he's just such a soft spoken person. I think that played into it that he never really uh, took credit and like allowed the so-called core four around him at the same time to kind of dominate the, the storytelling of that Yankees dynasty. Um, so he, for me, is 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 definitely like up there. Um, like for example, a similar player that I think is actually overrated in Yankee history, though I really like him, is Paul O'Neill, who I think because of just his his sort of brashness got gets a lot of attention as being like Mr. Hustle type player. But you know, like I he was a very good player, but I think like compared to guys like Bernie, who, who didn't make as much of an impact. Um, so, so that's, that's sort of like number one for me, I think, I mean, the other, like, I mean, again, I'm just maybe partial to the mid nineties teams, but like John Wetland was a very good player that got immediately overshadowed, eclipsed by Mariana Rivera taking over. Mariana Rivera was the setup man and those kind of teams and Wetland was the closer. And I think after Rivera was like, you know, he was better, but like the contribution of John Wetland at the time, like that's a name no one would know unless like you're a Yankee fan, basically, I think. Um, and I have no idea where his stats stack up, but like as a kid watching, I was like, okay, like I had that feeling. But then now we got so spoiled by 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 Rivera that any subsequent closer feels like terrible, basically. Like I mean, the the current, you know, since him, it's basically been um, a little dicier feeling late in games. Uh, so that's too. I struggle with. Are you? Program.
1: Are, are you saying that with, like, is, is Eroldis Chapman probably not the best closer of the last five years in Major League Baseball?
3: It's funny, actually, because of, like, some, it's the way I, uh, because of his, kind of his, uh, like, the home run he gave up uh, um, to Altuve and guys. like, I kind of, like, in a weird way, like, in the clutchest moments, I have feel like I've been a little bit let down by him, but, like, this year, I, he's been so good that I can't, I mean, I'm reconsidering it. I, it's too bad. Like he's so elite. I'm so spoiled by priors that, it, that by Mo, by Mariana that I don't even put him in that pedestal. But he's he's the closest thing to it by far. Uh, and I don't I don't, I don't I don't have a strong third actually, Chris. I'd have to struggle to think about it. About Andy the, Pettit. No, I, mean, I feel like similarly. Rated, like yeah, he's yeah he's properly rated. You know what I mean? I think he gets he's <laughs> like he's. <laughs> he's sort I've of got drunk.
0: an answer for you. Yeah. I've got an answer. What about Jimmy Key?
3: Ooh. No Everlight. Like. No, did like good player. I mean, actually, I have a better play, example than that, but he's in the Hall of Fame, so you can't say underrated is Mike Massina. But at the time it was not considered a critical part of that dynasty. Mike Massina like, will forever be an Oriole. I know, I know. But as a, what as was, an
2: Orioles fan growing up. And I
3: think that's right. Yeah. But just for me, I felt like again when he was on those teams, like he kind of just again personality related. Like he was basically like a crappy, like two strike pitch to like Carl Everett blue hit away from a perfect game at Fenway. And I like that to me and like that was a stretch like I don't forget what year it was was just he was just elite. Uh but again like that you know that's why I don't really I, I kind of agree with Becker. He's, he really can't be on it for multiple reasons.
1: All right. Um well right, I, I just I just looked it up by the way uh a uh number 1 in major league baseball in war over the time period since with the Yankees among the league pitchers. So yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to, to go from Mariano Rivera to the other best
0: movie pitcher in baseball over the last five years. <laughs> uh, I, but I, I can also see Vijay's point, especially because uh, right in the middle, like they traded him to the Cubs and he won with the Cubs and then came right back. So it's like this little blip. He just wins a World Series with another team. I don't know. It feels kind of icky. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I really enjoy having Chapman on my team right now. He's, he's ridiculous. Uh, and now that I said his name, um, I just heard a report that his arm fell off. Uh, <laughs> so that's too bad. Uh, looks like he's going to be out for nine to 12 months and, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, it
3: feels like it should, right? I mean, it, this is not like physiologically possible, you know, at some level. I think of about that a lot of these pictures, you know, it's just, I mean,
1: it's just an inevitability, um, you know, I'm looking at the clock. I mean, like, a, guy, a guy like him in particular, like, believers don't usually do this for as long as he has been doing this, no, which is where he's been dominant for, like, you know, 10 straight seasons. And as, as he had a bad year, it doesn't look like he's not, basically has not had a bad year and not had, like, a major injury either, which is pretty incredible.
0: You are aware what you're doing to my team right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so... I, I was going to say, Vij, if we had a little more time, and we'll save this for the next time you come on, uh, we were going to talk about the secret sauce of your of your stats-driven approach. Because I know, you know, we've talked in the, on this podcast about how some people shoot from the hip, and some people are more like they're not attached to anything. Um, you and I are very different, which I think is, I think it makes us good drafting together because you keep me honest. Um, and then I have the guys that I want to go out and get, and sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong.
3: It's a longer conversation for sure i don't know when we could dive into, it but to me it's like it actually has been revealing like this dynamic between you and me and how we approach the, the team has been so actually helpful in like how i think of how other people think like in my in my life <laughs> like in, in <laughs> unpack in, like, that please <laughs> yeah professionally too it's just like wow like someone can be that good like just thinking Without needing to do like this, like hyper analytical thing. Like to me, <laughs> to me, I actually think I'm deficient in something that I can't. I can't seem to tap into this instinct, like level thinking. I mean, there, it's it's um it's a deeper thing about just like like cognitive neuroscience type stuff too. That I think just like how people think and how you sort of break down decision making like can fail when you kind of overly kind of uh, marry yourself to needing to be defined by some model uh, to feel comfortable with, with, with these kinds of decisions. So um, like LDB is a good model for that. I think there's so much data more now than before that you would think that mo- the inevitable shift should be towards doing that. But the, the amount of people in the league who do well and don't seem to, or at least to me outside looking in, don't seem to be doing anything like that. And the well, valuation, you know, th- that just is sh- it's shocking to me. I can't, I mean, I'm impressed by it, but also
2: terrified. Chris, well, it I- sounds like he's calling you a maverick.
0: Well, no, I, I, I would say that we are both two ends of an extreme. Um, and I think that we balance each other out in a really good way. Um, I do a lot of research where I listen to people and I, and I trust my eyes. I know what I see. Uh, but, you know, like my tenure speaks for itself. Like I've been in this league, I think eight years, three times I finished with the best record. Um, and I've never, you know, we've never won the championship, but three times in the regular season, I've known what I was doing. And then three times I had one of the worst teams where coming out of the draft, it was like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, and it's without VJ, I have a tendency to overswing. Like sometimes I'll just I'll just make huge mistakes. Um, some years we can get away with it, others not. Uh, I, I also think like I, I trade very differently than VJ does. Um, no, because and-
3: you're selling yourself short. I think like what it is, is what you have insight into that I don't is that um, like you have a sense of like the... The, the social dynamic of the league and what the market is. Like, and the market is defined by these 16 teams. You know, it's not, it's not an abstraction to like some correlation with like, at least what I'm doing. So these like discrepancies that I'm seeing, like how could that guy go for that is like, and for you it's like, oh, that totally makes sense. It's just like, I think you understand the market in a true way. It's sort of not unlike trading, like, like you know, like that, you know, the stock market is that it's not necessarily rational. Um, And you kind of have to have insight into both to be kind of successful at
1: it.
0: Yeah. But your strategy does lead to the huge fines, right? And the huge example of that was second year I was in the league. Nobody wanted Johnny Cueto. He went for 21 million and you were like, he's worth 45. And I was like, that sounds insane to me, but okay. And then... (laughs) And then sure enough, Johnny Cueto's like other half of his statistical analysis, like when he was younger, like pops up and all of a sudden he's amazing. Um, so, you know, it's, I think you find, you find your diamonds in the rough. I think we got to move on because we've been, we've been talking almost 30 minutes. And I think Beach, this is the point, like with, 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 most people in this league, but especially with you, we could just talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, but I think there's some stuff to cover. Um, are you guys okay with, maybe, Star, are you, maybe I'll hand it over to you for, for, like do you guys want me to talk for 2 minutes about the the two the three things we just did or yeah. not? Yeah, yeah, let, let, let's let's
1: tap, let, let's touch on it briefly and then, and then we can move
0: on. Yeah, I'll I'll try to limit this to 60 seconds. I these were no-brainer moves. Obviously with John Means going down after the trade, like it becomes even more important. We just we weren't going to make innings. I started calling around like Peterson had the best pitcher that was available. Um Lance Lynn was the clear move. Um I feel I feel good about that trade um I think the like I don't I'm just for for what it's worth I think Ramos is going to be a good player I do I think he's underrated as a prospect I think he's got a clear path and I think he's you know he doesn't he's one of those guys that I I think he's just going to consistently be helpful um a lot of you know good steals good homers uh and I, I didn't like giving him up he was one of the guys that I targeted when I traded with Paul a couple years ago when I traded Machado so um disappointing to have to give him up but it was it was clear that Lynn is what we needed uh the other two moves were we've already talked about one get you know trading the pick for cash and then you know right before Kyle Lewis got hurt uh we traded Garcia for a pick and and star I, like I I actually I think Garcia's good like I like I didn't love doing that one either and at 500k I think that's a good that's a good move um so we'll see what happens there it actually reminds me of the last time that Josh and I made a small trade like this where he gave me CJ Crone at the minimum. And everyone was like, eh, whatever. But Krone at the minimum has been very helpful. So like sometimes getting these hitters that can be plug and play guys um, at the minimum just really helps the following auction. So.
2: Chris, it was less than 500K. It was like 0.2 because I traded him to you.
0: Yeah, why did you do that?
2: I uh, added Jonathan Loizaga, which I don't <laughs> necessarily... Um, you know, disagree with at the time, but I needed to make, cut a roster spot. And you know, I, I believed him. I drafted him at auction. I nominated him for 500 and there was crickets. I was like, all right, I got some bench depth, but it was a savvy move by you to pick him up and recognize immediately what he could do.
0: Do you know who's huge on him by the way, in the, in the prospecting community is Paul. Exactly.
1: Spore.
2: Yeah.
0: Sport. He's like sports boy. Like every year, he talks him up and says, "Like when this guy gets a chance, you're you're all gonna finally see." Um, he and-
2: slimmed down; he lost like forty pounds. Who's looking good? I I believe in those narratives. Yeah. So I I, I am similar to you in that respect, where I'm somewhat narrative driven uh, more than analytical, and I think you know that that won me over to draft him for five hundred thousand. Yeah.
1: The, the, I think my my own, and and I talked to both you and Josh about this. Uh, to, I think my only complaint – it's a totally – I like Avisel Garcia. He's not a bad player. I, I feel like if you're in – if I was in Josh's position, and maybe he was trying to kind of hedge a little bit, like I'd rather trade a second-round pick and get, you know, a better player who – and not I don't care about his keeper value and, like, who's going to help me now more than Avisel Garcia is going to help me. And that, that, that was really my only criticism. I don't think it was a bad value at all. But I also am, like – Josh was like, oh, he's a great keeper deal. I was like, hey, he's 30, and he went for the min three months ago. Like, I don't know if we're really – like, are, 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 we, are we really – like, are, are, do we feel sure that, like, two years from now, he's not going to be, like, a min player again? Like, I don't know. It's, that, that was ultimately my, my criticism of the trade. But it's fine. I mean, he's good, and uh, he's playing in a great park, and he's got great stack cast numbers, and,
0: you know, I really
1: can't fault you know what he's doing this year.
0: I think those guys that you can plug and play in any of the outfield positions that give you both home runs and stolen bases, is just useful. So, um, all right, enough about the DIPAs. I feel like that's all we've done. So um, shall we transition on to talk about the league? All right. So um, I've noticed, uh, actually, start, you wanted to talk about the double A draft. Should we save that or are you ready to go? I mean I, I so I don't necessarily
1: want to do a full breakdown of the draft itself, but I kinda of wanted to talk about all of these rookie pitchers who we didn't draft and I'm ready to I'm ready to go if we wanna do that.
0: Your show, man. Go for it. Let's We're gonna do to, it dive with Star.
1: Yeah, so I, I mean I don't I don't really have a plan exactly as to how I wanted to go about this, but you no, know, I, I think it was it was kind of interesting to me this being a weird year um, where we didn't have a minor league season in 2020, I think it was, it was an, uh, you know, I think it's honestly probably better that we only had a one round double A draft because I think prospect lists this year were probably the most, like the least accurate. We, we, in terms of what, you know, an actual reflection of these guys' abilities, just because, there's so much information that people didn't have, even the guys with like insight information. I feel like we're hesitant to make major moves, make major evaluation changes on a lot of these guys. And so, you know, we were, we were kind of drafting our, we were doing our double-A draft on kind of uneven information. And so I think to me, the, what I wanted to talk about was the fact that we have all of these rookie pitchers who were not drafted in Double A, who are going absolutely nuts, kind of to varying extent, um, and there were, there were five guys I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, some of them I feel like are Trevor Rogers at the top of this list has just been dominant all season long, uh, down to guys like Alec Manoa, who I think has made only two starts so far. But I wanted to kind of go through each of those, each of these five guys, and kind of say, look at what what was missed and you know, why didn't this guy get drafted? None of these guys were like totally off the radar. The five guys, by the way, Trevor Rogers, Dane Dunning, Shane McClanahan, Alec Manoa, Albert Alvalli, I think are the five, the five kind of notable rookie pitchers, all of whom went undrafted in double A this year. And so I wanted to kind of go through each of them and say like, you know, what, why didn't this guy get drafted? And you know, what, and, and look into what has happened thus far. So I, I'd be curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are, but you know, it's funny. I think Becker made a prediction and his bold predictions that the uh, rookie of the year was going to be, I think it was the guy who's not owned in double A. It's looking very likely. We might see both rookies of the year turn out to be that way.
2: Yeah, maybe so. So, I mean, I think it, it starts from the fact that pitchers are so risky. They're so inherently risky and all of the guys that you named, um, at least from my perspective, would have gone from 1 million to 5 million at auction. And those aren't necessarily the types of guys that I identify for drafting. Uh, McClanahan was on my list. I was hoping to snag him at a later round, uh, maybe even the, in the snake. Manoa, I knew of, but thought like he's not even gonna sniff the big leagues this year. Um, Trevor Rogers, I thought, you know, I might be in on him at six, but certainly not 11. So good on Nate for getting just a star. Um, Pitching is tough. I mean, even though they may have a good year, they may blow out their elbow next year. Um, And it makes that kind of double a contract look a little less uh, pristine. So uh, I think I'm, I'm very impressed with the, the guys that drafted some of these guys because they took a great chance. Uh, but in terms of double-A
0: draft, I look for kind of that high upside. What's interesting about Rodgers in particular is that at the time that we did the draft, we all knew his name, right? He was getting talked up. It was like, here's a guy that the Marlins know what to do, and he looks good, and maybe, right? So that easily could have been a pick. And I think we all might have been like, "Huh," but it's interesting that none of us pulled the trigger there. And I, th- I do think we have a bias against these guys that are in the majors. We know they have a job, and we're like, "It's probably not going to be great. Like, it's probably going to be not somebody you'd want for all four years." Um, I felt like Flaherty had the same uh, problems. Like when I drafted him, and I got him in the second round. Um, like I, but Rogers, I think is. I don't know how we missed the upside on this guy. He has eighty-one strikeouts in sixty-eight innings. That, the K rate is insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, go ahead. I think if you look, just I was just looking
1: at, I was kind of doing a little bit of a deep dive on Rogers. I mean, I think the thing thing with him was, you know, the scouting report, which basically has him as a two-pitch pitcher, turned out to not be true. You know, he had this slider that he was kind of toying around with last year that I, and I think the reason he went for what he did in the auction is because it was, he was getting results with this, this slider in the spring, but this is exactly the kind of thing where like, you know, a year off people missed this. Like they didn't realize that like he, and he pitched in the majors last year. So I shouldn't say that completely. I mean, he pitched 28 innings in the majors last year, but I think there just like, wasn't a full scouting report on this guy. And like the difference between what this guy was at the beginning of the 2020 season versus what he was at the beginning of the 2021 season was very different. And I think for pitchers in particular, this kind of thing can happen more so than like with a hitter to come out of nowhere, because they learn a new pitch. And all of a sudden, like that, that elevates them from this guy who I think he, as a prospect, he was kind of viewed as like a back of the rotation guy. All of a sudden he's got a third pitch and now he's like an ace. Uh and I think that, that in with pitchers in particular, this sort of thing can can happen in a way that maybe isn't necessarily the case with a hitter.
2: Well, so what is the difference between uh I say this before we drafted him, what is the difference between him and Nick Needert on the Marlins? Like both were kind of in the same development space. Needert got some time last year. And could you say with certainty that it was gonna be Rogers who was the star? No. And I think um it it takes some risk taking that's how i look at it at least it's just like you know some of these guys pop and some don't but if if i had taken nick nieder in the double a draft people would have been like what the fuck are you doing
1: I mean, Rogers was on some top 100 list. I don't remember. I don't know if Nick Mueller was, but I, I, sure. Rogers at least kind of had some Mar- prospect cachet.
2: The Marlins thought of them. I don't want to say similarly, but in terms of their development, they were kind of on the same
0: track. I, I would say. So, Star, let me ask you real quick because I, I took note of the five, um, and they've all had helium. But do you think that you know similar to that? Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the other. Do you believe in Altele? I do.
1: I, I mean, I, I think the, the the numbers that I've seen from like what Eno Sowers has put out in terms of his stuff, uh, and I can pull up uh, you know latest rankings on him. But the stuff looks nasty. He misses a lot of bats. I think the question with him, with him was, you know, does he have the command to start? I think the answer thus far looks to be clearly yes. Um, you know, I think there were questions about whether Azalei was a relief pitcher. Um, and, you know, he's got, he's not walking guys. And by Eno's command plus metric, he is above average. I mean, that's, he always, the stuff was never the question. I and mean, the guy throws what, like, yeah. Well, he doesn't throw as hard as that thought actually. He throws like 95. Um, but he has, he has nasty stuff, and I think, you know, it's like can he throw strikes? Uh, you know, if you look at like his projections, his his walk rate projections from zips was like five, and he's walking like you know under two per nine. I mean, that was pretty shocking to see coming. But and I think that's the kind, of, honestly, that's the kind of breakout. Unlike what we saw with Rogers, where they added a pitch, like for a guy to take a leap forward in command and control, I think is honestly maybe the rarer step forward. I think it's probably harder to predict, like adding a pitch for, from a you know, how was Rogers 24, you know, a 24 year old adding a new pitch, 23, uh, adding a new pitch is not like totally crazy. Uh, uh, A guy who is, I was he's 26, but to take that leap forward, that big of a leap forward in command year to year is is pretty surprising. And I think he's legit. I I absolutely believe that, that this guy is now, I don't know he's an ace, but he's, he's a, no, an SP3 worst case scenario going forward.
0: Okay, fair. There is a pretty big gap with the FIP and the ERA, and I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that he's given up home runs, but the WHIP is very good. So um, I guess we'll see.
1: It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, looking at the FIP, it's, it's 3.62 on the ERA and 3.92 on the FIP. And, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he's going to, it seems like he's maybe going to give up some home runs. Give some, he's giving up some hard contact. But, you know, the walks and the strikeouts are pretty outstanding and you to keep the ball on the ground, all things considered. So, I don't know. I, 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 I'm very impressed. And, and I think at some point in the double-A draft, Rodgers and Dunning and Azalei were at least names that, like, I think all showed up on somebody's top 100. I think Manoa and McClanahan are maybe the, the, a bit more outliers, partly because I don't think anyone realized. I think these are the ones – you know, all three of the other guys had pitched in the majors and had success to varying extents. Uh, Manoa and McClanahan were guys who, I mean, Manoa was drafted what, 2019? And so, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of guy who's just like, we have no information on this guy. Um, yeah. and I, I, I,
2: I want to give Anton some credit for that uh, because that was a hell of a pick. Um, quite a leap of faith for Manoa. Like I said before, I didn't expect Manoa to even be in the majors, and yet he put that marker down. So I'm I'm real impressed. And then Ian with McClanahan. I mean, at least McClanahan got his major league debut last year in the postseason. And we all – Star, you had written about McClanahan in some of the post-draft um, uh, like, prospects. If you recall saying, like, hey, here are the highly rated pitchers who didn't get selected in the AA draft, and this was like 2019. So he was always kind of on the LDB radar. Um, but right. Manoa, Manoa was a hell of a snack. Uh, so I, I'm very impressed with Anton in that.
0: Who goes Anton? Um, yeah, I, I, Dane Dunning is the only one we have, really haven't talked much about. Dunning's the one that I feel like got the most consideration in the A draft. Uh, K rate's good, whip's not a, awesome yet, but destroyed promise. Um,
1: it, it's it's funny. It's like Dunning was the one I think to me was would have been like the one that I probably if I had had a pick at the end of the AA draft probably was the one that I would have taken, and I think maybe right now is the one who I would be least excited about. Um, you know, going forward, I just I I I am I, a little. I feel like he, Dane Dunning. He, first of all, he's old. Like how old is Dunning? Like yeah, he's, he's a little bit older than I was, late, But he's twenty six. Um, he's kind of a two pitch guy, and he doesn't throw hard. I don't feel like there's like a feeling for him, like there is with the rest of these guys. Like Dunning kind of is what he is. Um, and I and I I feel like all of these other guys, um, you know, I think particularly Rogers. It, it's, it's, Manoa, is too early. We don't. We have two starts, and they were wildly different starts where his fastball velocity was you know quite a bit different in the two starts it's not really clear what Manoa is but I mean Rogers and McLanahan and Azalea, I feel like all have very high ceilings now and you know these are all guys who we might be looking at you know, at the very least with like consistent top 50 starters going forward if not you know top 30 top 20 starters maybe.
2: So Chris, I, I just want to ask you one thing. You said that Dunning was considered by LDB. What makes you say that? Because he wasn't on my radar at all, and it, it may be that you were having sidebar
0: conversations with a lot of owners who are who are drumming up interest. Honestly,
2: it's, I'm curious by
0: that. It probably comes back to the fact that like, and you know, Matt I think has the most connections to people in the league for obvious reasons. It's his passion that he like does an amazing job running this league, and he connects with so many people uh matt and i talk all the time and so i'm pretty sure matt's the one that put dunning's name in my head um and i i think that that probably happens a year ago right like i i've known dunning's name for a long time he's been on prospect lists as well yeah so like there are times where i think matt's influence like we all go a little too far with it uh where he thinks one thing and it ends up being wrong uh and then there are other no. times where it's like matt's the most researched of us and that helps right so yeah so oh. I,
2: I I think this is subject to uh, a later episode where we talk about like rumor mill and how those kind of uh, how that influence and juice gets gets flowing.
0: Well, I actually I, I will just say right now I used to make fun of Matt behind closed doors. I think to your face actually Matt though, but behind closed doors that you could move the market with your emails and and like when you believed in a guy you were you would you would pump him up and and then you know uh tyler kolek is my favorite one it's like <laughs> the only time i've ever seen you draft a high school pitcher and then you were like talking him up and then you traded him and then he's named are you uh, saying stars are you all with all love star i mean it in in the in the nicest of ways i don't think that you were doing anything <laughs> nefarious it was more just like the, the power that you have sometimes when you believe in a guy Go ahead, respond. Yeah, you
1: know, I, and I, I've tried to tone it down a little bit with my own guys. There's certain <laughs> other – like, I've like a guy that I've written about a lot and I was higher on than average was Sandy Alcantara, uh, who is uh, – you know, I, I don't want to, like, pat myself on the back too hard there. But that's a guy that I feel like I was ranking very highly um, maybe ahead of – ahead of his breakout. But that's a guy who I – feel like I got out on a limb on and then also, and then, and then tried to get from Paul. And I, and I was like, I think I hyped this guy up too much to like, I like altered his trade value and I made Paul consider him to be a better pitcher, to, to be a better value than I think the consensus was. And I couldn't get him in that, in that Forrest Whitley trade. So I, you know, I got Forrest Whitley and Drew Waters and I really wanted Sandy Alcantara in that, in that trade, but all of a sudden done. Uh, <laughs>
0: Look, I, what I meant though, just because I, I think I meant it in jest, but uh, I think Star is right more often than the rest of us. Like usually, Brophy's probably an exception. There, there may be one or two others, but he's certainly more right than I am. So when you know when he believes in a guy, he should talk him up. Uh, but it definitely can move the market in, in a fun LDB way. Um, all right. But
3: also, I mean, just the way LDB is now, I mean, there's it's worth being. I mean, it's. Um, you know, maybe we should be taking more flyers on guys on the pitching market, because even though they're low, maybe they're, I mean, this, there's, there's no guarantees with them. They can, win you so many categories now. I mean, like just like with MGS, you know, added in the fray, added in there with like having K. So K overlapping with it. There's so many like intersections between the pitching categories that sort of shifts the market, I think to um, ultra elite pitching, you know, like we can't, we can't really not, you can't really win. Forget the playoffs. You just, I don't think you can win at all now without like, some reliable robust dude and i think and the value is such that you'll go bankrupt if you try to just draft them every year so you kind of have to take a flyer now earlier and earlier just the way the market is shifting
1: and and also so i i've i've gotten really i've always loved pitching and i've always been really fascinated by pitching and i think something that's become very apparent to me it's kind of i've kind of touched on this already but if you look at like I'm just looking at the the war leader board for pitchers right now. The, the guys, some of the guys at the top, guys like Jacob DeGrom, Brandon Woodruff, Trevor Rogers, Shane Bieber, these were not guys who were highly touted prospects. Like, prospect lists, like, especially when it comes to pitchers, are not necessarily like the best predictors of who's going to be great in the future in the same way they are for hitters. Like, there were a lot of guys who, are you know, and, and none of these guys were like came out. I, I wouldn't say any of these guys completely came out of nowhere. They were a lot of them were kind of fringy prospects to an extent. You know, there are a lot of guys who are like, you know, guy number 125, who some data comes out on that guy when he gets to the majors, and it's like, oh, shit, like something, something real is happening here. And this guy looks like, you know, maybe a superior player to the guy that we all thought he was in the minors. And that's I think that happens more in pitching and then then hitting
0: by miles. So this brings me back to something that Becker said 30 minutes ago about the qualitative versus the quantitative, right? Because when you listen to these pitchers where none of us saw it coming, more often than not, in my experience, it's, oh, well, I was working with this guy and he taught me this grip. And now like, yeah, now I throw the slider instead of the curve. And it's like when we are judging them as prospects, We don't have that trajectory of who they're going to meet and what they're going to try and what's going to work. And I think with hitters, it's, it is a little more predictive. We know, like, we know when they're, you know, they have a good hit tool. We know when they have good raw power with pitchers, it's like, okay, he's this tall. He might be a little more prone to injury. We we don't really know how their stuff's going to play up at each level. And we don't know who they're going to meet and who's going to coach them. And And, that, that matters.
2: And do you know, when and where they learn these new pitches it's it's not that a pitching coach sits them down and says you're going to learn a slider it's when they're dicking around four hours before the game with their buddy joe and it's like i'm going to throw a knuckleball or i'm going to throw this slider with a different grip and suddenly it catches and that's that's just organic that's how it happens yeah it's, it, it's you want to
1: talk about it? I want to talk about a real story about a guy named Joe. I mean, you want to look at where Joe Musgrove's breakout this year came from. That came from you Darvish getting traded to the San Diego Padres with Victor Caratini and Joe Musgrove sitting down with you Darvish and, and Victor Caratini and saying, and those guys telling him, Hey, maybe you should change up your pitch mix and throw fewer fastballs and throw your cutter and all off speed stuff, just like you Darvish does. And that might work out for you. Like, you know, it's, it's weird stuff like that, that like, I, there's there's no way to get that from a prospect report. You don't, you don't know what competition like is happening behind closed doors.
2: Well, well, do you know where you get that from? You don't get that from fan graphs. You get that through the beat writers and they're not writing cut lines to slideshows. They're actually talking to these guys and figuring out when and where and how that's, that's how you get information. Yeah, the social dynamics seems huge. The other thing that might be
3: an explanation is that maybe you just need arm preservation to be able, like, I mean, at least certainly this is the case for deGrom, I mean, that like earlier arm preservation by whatever mechanism just allows for like this like later blooming that you would completely blunt if you like get these so the elite prospects in a way are sort of self-defeating that like they'll they, they'll erode at like a natural trajectory and you might catch some of those peak years but if they were touted because of some broad skills that that like inherently doesn't sustain with the demands of what pitching needs to be now
1: but, but, but to, to counter that, isn't, isn't part of the reason that we didn't know who DeGrom was, the fact that he had Tommy John kind of like right at the height of what normally would have been kind of his prospect peak. And, um, you know, so like even that, it's like, who knows? Like this is a guy who who had TJ fairly early on and kind of we, we didn't really get to see this like upper minors peak from him until he was in the majors and crushing it because he just kind of had this lost year due, due to Tommy John.
0: I think we could go on for another half hour. Um, but I think we, in the interest of time, we, we do need to move forward because um, we still have two things left to do. And We can do one on hyperdrive, but I think the other might take a little more a little more time. So our weekly segment, are you guys good with that? I'm going to move on. Um, the weekly segment right now, just on the week, uh, I did a quick eyeball at this and it doesn't look any like anyone made huge strides here. Um, although I, I do think Brophy will now overtake me not in record but in terms of like the likely by number one uh just based on the way his squad is looking and the way our squad is looking um in in federal where there were a lot of close games aids and roof are going to split uh nate and each are going to split uh the Poyos beat the cornballers seven to five um it, you know i i do think outside of your game uh star i, I there really were no demolishings here so, and it looks like your offense just had a dud week. So I, I don't really know what else to say about it other than that, it just, you know, that happens. Um, so, unless anyone wants to flag something that I didn't uh, about this week in LDB, just the matchups, I will go to our weekly segment of, is anyone ready to pronounce any deaths?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm ready. Right, I'm right. I mean, I think, I think we saw Peterson trading Lance Lynn, that's the end. Uh, I mean, I think that was, that was kind of, I'd been on the precipice for a while. I mean, he was kind of on the outs and, you know, he just got his that kicked by Ian. I think, you know, unfortunately this is not going to be Peterson's year. Um, you know, I think the other one who I think we might be there on is Ryan. Unfortunately, I, you know, that, that, that whole inning fiasco last, last week may have kind of put the fork in him, put a fork in him and. You know, he lost again this week, and I, I just don't know that. I mean, th- those, those are the two teams where I feel like we've been close to saying they're done for a while. And I think, you know, we're at nine weeks in. I think it, I think we can officially say those teams are not going to be
0: competing this season. So, Becker, I'll turn it over to you in a second, but I do just want to flag two things about Peterson's team before we move off of it. Um, yes, I agree with you, Star. It looks like he's thrown in the towel. But holy crap, Bo Bichette looks good. And also, he's got a really good trade chip right now if he chooses to go with it in Salvador Perez, who's having a career year. Uh, 14 home runs for Perez so far, 40 RBIs from the catcher spot. That is a difference maker piece. Uh, I'll be very curious to see if he holds him as a K2 into the K3 season or if he wants to shop that. Um, But we'll see. Uh, Becker, you agree? Want to pronounce any other deaths? No, nothing. I, I totally agree. All right. Veej? Yeah, nothing to add. All right. Well, then in that case, I think we can switch over to the game of the week for next week, which uh, there were a few good ones to choose from. Um, but in the end, I did have to pick, and I went with the Nate Nates versus the Tones. Um, I figured it would be fun to let Becker squirrel a little bit and try to tell us, you know, don't, don't talk about his team because apparently when we talk about teams on the cast, bad things happen. Uh, but uh, I do think that this, you know, Nate's team is headed in the right direction, like several weeks in a row now. So um, why don't we start with, uh, with the guest? Vij, are you ready to go looking at these two teams or, or you need another minute? Cause I sort of sprung that on you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Give me a minute. I'm just pulling up. All right. Well, oh, can, can I talk about the tones?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you want to you want to talk about the tones? Yeah,
2: I'm not gonna <laughs> declare the tones dead, but the tones are trending in the wrong direction. Meanwhile, <laughs> Nate is trending nothing but upward. So if anything, this is like a a, a 12-0 for Nate. <laughs> okay. And suddenly Nate is back in the race. That's how that works.
0: So this is like this is like
2: right before the season started. <laughs> I'd be lucky. I'd be lucky to make innings. I'd be lucky to snag three categories, oh God, maybe stolen lucky. bases, but we'll see. Oh. It'll be a good matchup.
0: I will say for a team that started as hot as yours did, um, there are some very good stories and there are some guys I want to know if you're worried about. Are you worried about Jack at all? I know he's really turned no. sour. No, you no. think he's fine? No, he's fine. Okay. Who else? Uh, let's go with, uh, the 160 batting average of Miguel Sano. Are you worried about that? Not at all.
2: (laughs) Who's next? What do we got?
0: Oh, this is fun. Uh, are you worried about the injuries and the fact that Luke Voigt has... Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So it's not even Luke Voigt. Uh, I, I like many, like, like you, like many others were crushed by injuries and, and that's what I chalk up the last four weeks to. I lost two of my shortstops in the same day, and I was working with Nick Meton for about you know, two and a half weeks. Now I'm working with Taylor Wallace. so um, maybe yeah,
1: maybe we're going to be working with Jazz Chisholm soon.
2: It's possible. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, and injuries are tough. It's a long season, and and it's just a matter of kind of getting through it. So. Um, I saw some, some bad results, like three or four straight weeks of, of subpar results as just, like, treading water. Uh, so, now I'm, I'm all right.
0: All right. Are you going to promote uh, Jonathan India?
2: Possibly. Um, I, I want to say to the league that he is available for trade, especially for a uh, promising starting pitcher. But um, he's, been, he's been playing great. He's been leading off of the Reds. He's probably, you know, one of their best hitters by now. So um, we'll see. I don't better mean to for Jonathan yeah. India there. No, he's he's had a great like three weeks and they believe in him. So that's exciting. Um, I don't necessarily need the help at second base. I more need the help at shortstop. But if someone is interested in Jonathan India, get at me. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, you have three hitters that it's going to be interesting to see the way you play this. Uh, Tell me. Well, Boehm is the other, right? I feel like you might be wise to keep him down, no, let him no. let him get a little better, but yeah. I don't
2: know. No, Boehm's, Boehm's not coming up. I, this is a moment of honesty right here. Boehm's not coming up because Boehm needs a swing change. Boehm needs to learn how to elevate the ball, and I'm confident that, that will come in the next year and a half. It's not going to come this season, so he's not going to be up. Um Wanda Franco, I already told you in an earlier episode, he's not coming up, no matter how well he's playing. Jazz is the one that I've kind of changed tune on. Uh, Yeah, several people can tell you I was shopping jazz. Matt Starr turned down jazz. Ian turned down jazz.
1: Regrets.
2: Ian turned, let me me be clear. When uh, Royce Lewis tore his ACL, and Ian insisted that I trade him somebody. I offered him Jazz Chisholm, and he turned him down. So I've been shopping Jazz, but um, yeah, now he may be a uh, bona fide member of the Tone Suit.
1: There you go. Well, this was I, your. I I, 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 I pulled up. I pulled up some Jonathan India stats, by the way. So since Let's do it. May 13th, so he he went he went on the IL. He came back on May 12th. Since May 13th. He has a OPS over a thousand with more walks than strikeouts, so uh, it's a nice, nice little stretch here for Mister India.
2: Sure is. Get at me. Um,
1: but as, as for the matchup, um, you know, I, I think we're we're about we're about one week early, early uh, for Nate to bring up a couple of maybe we maybe we'll talk about this next week, but some of the more uh, some of the most game changing. Uh, mid-season call-ups that we'll probably see in Alex Verdugo and Ian Anderson. Um, So that may not happen. We're not going to see that this week, but no, I think, I think this is with with Hughes kind of looking out of it, we're likely looking at five teams for four spots in union. And I think it's a big matchup um, between two of those five teams. Uh, So we'll see. We'll you know, it's, if they can, you know, it, See if uh, Becker can maybe put a little ground between him and Nate a little more ground between him and Nate. Uh, I think that will be, that would be huge for Becker to uh, have a little bit more, more breathing room there. We'll see.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think it'll, it'll be a good matchup. Um, You know, the other, the other uh, prospect Nate's got that, like, I sort of, I'm curious, Uh, Badu had such a hot start out of nowhere for the Tigers He's really cooled off. I don't think he's hit a homer in a while. Um, but I did notice that uh, he'll have he'll have to make a decision there too. Uh, so yeah, Nate's got some guys. Um, good game this week. We I, I wish you both luck. I'm Just uh, looking at
3: his uh, variability between week to week, so there's not like an easy way to pull that up. But he's had you know he's been spanked by Star and Brophy, um, and he gave the same to Ray. But other than that, he's had kind of these um, sort of going either out way outcome. So it does make it more dynamic to see how he does against Becker.
0: It's a really important matchup. They have two matchups the rest of the way, but it, like that, this, this one could be for a playoff spot in the end. So, um, we'll see which way it goes. All right, guys. Um, it's time for the final thoughts. Anybody ruminating on something in baseball that we have not talked about, or should we let our listeners go?
2: Let them go, let them go. Uh, well, VJ, we've given them, we've given
1: them enough. We haven't they gotten enough from us today?
0: I think they have, and it's so fucking hot. Like I again, like I'm in, I'm in Massachusetts right now. Is outside coaching little league and birthday parties galore, and I, I don't think I stopped sweating this entire weekend. I feel so gross right now um so i I went
1: to i went to a wedding yesterday outside and it was like 95 degrees in the direct sun
0: no shade it was brutal oh that sounds terrible
2: i want to thank vj though uh terrific guest. he is so interesting i love talking to VJ. and um yeah just appreciate you being on and kind of sharing your perspective because it's, oh, thanks, it's a very unique perspective.
0: I agree. And VJ, how badly did I butcher your best man speech uh, story back in the wedding episode? Oh, my best man speech story at Sean's wedding? Yes. Do you still know, remember you exactly what you said? I, well, I remember. That was that's
3: one of the highlight experiences of my life, um, being part of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, only because, uh, well, I you know we get this again, we're running out of time. But no, you, I, I, appreciated the, I appreciated the shout out for it. That's for sure uh that it still is uh things fondly of it um i think of wedding speech is pretty variable though my personal experience with my dad's speech at my brother's wedding but we'll get into that some other time <laughs> but um yeah i mean <laughs> just the
0: last go ahead go ahead go ahead
3: no only the last thought but only because how depressing kind of our our own season has gone um chris like i mean our season's going great but just this last week is i've just been thinking more about this larger issue within like what do I really want as a baseball fan? Like, do I really want like dominant like teams or do I want like pitchers? Do I want like players that can like hang around? You know, like, am I rooting for like guys I like or just like outright winning? And like, with people dropping like flies like this, it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe I should stop rooting for the laundry. Like, for the like, I should like, maybe we should not as fans want this much like this is an unsustainable trend towards like all this uh, velo stuff and um it's maybe bad for the for the sport i don't know how where it changes but it helps management to just cycle through players and maybe it's not great for these individuals so it's like labor versus
2: management thing
3: oh anyway, yeah that's just a thing that's on my mind right now wish
2: we had another hour to unpack that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> let's, let's devote another, another episode to that. Yeah, we can bring you back on boring.
1: and talk all about yeah. that. I, there I, is I a lot fascinated.
2: there. Yeah, I think, I think we'd have a, a, a lot of varied perspectives on that.
0: So here I try to get you to talk about, you know, some guy pulling money out of his ass. And instead, you take us to a deep, you know, what is the state of baseball? Well, just like
3: you told me to retell the origin story for, for medicine sans revers. I just feel like re, like I like that wedding speech at Sean's thing as a memory and the reliving of it. I don't know. I feel like I, I, I might, I might tarnish it in some way. I want to protect, but <laughs> I want to protect my inflated memory of that day. <laughs> Very good.
0: It's not inflated. It was the best uh, wedding speech I've ever heard. So, all right guys. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Um, thanks for listening. Everybody. We'll be back next week. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to make any promises, but Brophy told me that he's going to be on the beach with Anton next weekend, uh, and he, he wants to call from the beach with Anton. Oh, yes. Um, so we'll see if that works out, because uh, there's a lot of children between those two families, and I don't know if the wives will cooperate, but we'll see. Um, we encourage call-ins. Yeah, uh, that would be very fun if we could. We should a- do a
2: call-in line.
0: Ooh, a call-in yeah. line. Yeah, like a radio show. Ah! <laughs> oh that'd be amazing just give
1: people just give people the zoom number the the, the zoom number and be like between eight and nine <laughs>
0: yeah that would that would definitely not real us awesome. all right um thank you everybody for listening we will talk again next <laughs> week uh and uh happy hunting see you guys see you guys thanks for coming on vj
2: thanks guys